I'm Yasi Salek, and I'm the host of Bandsplain, a show where we explain cult bands and iconic artists by going deep into their histories and discographies. We're back with a brand new season at our brand new home, the Ringer Podcast Network, tackling a whole new batch of artists, from grunge gods to power pop pioneers to new metal legends, and many, many more. Listen to new episodes every Thursday, only on Spotify. This episode is presented by Walmart Plus. Walmart Plus is the membership that helps you save on things you expect, plus the things you don't, like free delivery from your store with no markups, gas savings, and even a free Paramount Plus subscription. Start your free 30-day trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus essential plan only, separate registration required, $35 order minimum. See walmart.com slash plus for details. Nathan, we've got to start using Apple Cash. Uh, okay. Why? It's so easy and convenient. Apple Cash lives in messages where you and I text all the time. We do. All right. So I can pay you in the convos we're already having, like I do when I bribe you to say nice things about my favorite Taylor Swift songs. You'll never forget a payment or have the money just sitting somewhere collecting dust. You do owe me money from the last time we saw those Taylor and Travis picks, so that is nice. (laughs) And once I've done that, you can use that cash right away. You can buy stuff at a store with Apple Pay. So I don't have to do all the bank transfer stuff then? Nope. It's just right there. It's easy, convenient, and secure. Wait, did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? See how easy that was? Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Welcome to every single album, Taylor Swift, or welcome back to every single album, Taylor Swift. I'm Nora Princiati, and as always, I'm here with Nathan Hubbard. Nathan, how does it feel to be back? You've let me out of my box because Taylor's got an album coming, Nora. (laughs) Here I am. You stay in the closet underneath the stairs (laughs) until Taylor decides to bless us with content. It's the Taylor Swift troll. I'm out from under the bridge. I want that in your, I want that in all of your like social media profile bios. Uh, we are the Taylor Swift troll out from underneath the bridge because Midnight's Taylor's 10th album is coming out on October 21st. And we couldn't really wait to talk about it. And I noticed on the interwebs that you guys couldn't really wait to talk about it either. So what we're going to do is we've collected so many wonderful questions from people on Twitter and maybe maybe a couple from other sources. And we're just going to go through them and talk about expectations from the album, everything that's going on in the Taylor verse. That's going to be this pod. I feel compelled to say that we are recording this on the afternoon of Tuesday, October 4th. More shit is going to happen. I, it's going to happen. Like, I don't know if you've been doing this too. I think most Taylor Swift fans have been doing this. I live in this constant state of like paranoia. Like, what's she up to? What's she doing? Is she in my closet? It's permanent jump scare fear. She is actually the the troll that lives beneath the stairs. Oh, shit. The monster under the bed. Ping pong balls and a weird phone that records out of both sides. Occupies so much space rent-free. It's like Smile (laughs) 2. But okay, anything that happens between October 4th and when this podcast comes out. Not our uh, fault. It's not our fault. We'll deal with it as best we can. I hope it's something exciting. And then going forward, we're going to have another uh, very exciting episode before the album comes out. That's going to be a surprise. So 
know more about that, but I think you guys will enjoy it. And then obviously we're going to cover Midnight's and and everything else once it's out, which I'm super excited about. Oh, but boy. without further ado, should we... Here's should we 20 more hours of Taylor Swift chatter. You love it. You love it. You know I do. Guys, I saw Nathan recently and we hung out and we had a great time, except he had less of a good time than I did. Why? Because, because within your sight line the entire time was an elderly couple just like making out. Like heavy duty tongue action. Nora and I are sitting at a bar. Like we're in a very public, just like they're at the bar. They're not in a booth or anything. Just a very public space. I'm to Nora's left. The couple is to Nora's right. And we're turned facing each other. And we're the best of friends, so we're just getting on. But slowly in my peripheral vision, I start to see major geriatric tongue action. And Nora's like, are you not, are you not present? Are you not in this? Like, are, do you not agree with me about this crazy conspiracy theory that I'm throwing away about Taylor Swift? I'm like, Nora, I'm enthralled, but I'm more just horrified at what's happening behind you. And Nora would not look. She would not turn over no, her No, I looked. Nathan doesn't believe that I that I turned enough to look. It's like, here's the thing. No, you didn't vomit. It's a little gross, on, but they were having side. a nice time and I didn't want to screw it up. And I so I didn't like do the full on owl swivel. They were having to, a nice time. That, they were having a nice time. And it's, you know, we support love. We're very happy for that. We, do, they, we maybe, do support geriatric love. Yes. But octogenarian makeouts are less exciting for me because I get to ask you these questions and we get to have this discussion uh, free of distractions. Yeah. So I'm pumped. I'm going to write an album about all the nights sleep I lost thinking about that, (laughs) that bar. Anyway, it was lovely to be with you and it's lovely to be with you now. Let's tackle them. All right. First one is from Gabrielle, which I think is the biggest question that I've been thinking about since Midnight's was announced on the VMA's stage because where else would she do it? I I thought it might be a fun moment to tell you that... that my brand new album comes out October 21st. Gabrielle asks, why do you guys think she chose to release a new album before the re-recordings. What's going on with the timeline here? This is the thing. This woman does not have a choice. She is intrinsically compelled. She is like wired, unlike most human beings, to create this stuff. It is readily apparent that this was not the plan six months ago because you and I were calling each other like, did you see the merch store? Every single price is purple and it says 1989. $19.89, $1, like all of the signs were there that we were working our way into a campaign for the release of 1989. We have seen in movies the release of now, I think at least three re-records. There's three songs. Yeah, so two of them, Wildest Dreams, Taylor's version, and This Love, Taylor's version. We got Wildest Dreams in the horse movie. And then this the love uh, came out and was featured in the summer I turned pretty on Amazon Prime. Those are available for streaming. Yes. 
Bad Blood was only in the League of Super Pets movie and in weird TikToks <laughs> with The Rock and Kevin Hart. DJ, what you listening to? Bad Blood, Taylor's version. What? Bad Blood, Taylor's version. Go to the doctor. But at least snippets of three songs are out there and presumably the whole songs have been recorded. Yes, and it suggests that 1989 is in the bag, was in the bag, has always been in the bag, probably for most of 2022. But this woman does not sleep, which is going to be the central theme of this album. (laughs) And she's born to create, and she clearly created something. And so when you and I first had the conversation about this, what did we say? Like, what did I tell you? What were our feelings on the nervousness scale about this album? I think we both were somewhere between an eight and a 10. So I think that's true. That's just bridge troll guy. No, I don't. So I think that's true. But you know how if you buy, um, if you're at the supermarket and you buy oh boy. something in bulk, they tear the weight of the packaging. Like if you get a little, you know, whatever container that it goes in. Okay. And then when they put it on the scale, they have it adjusted so that it subtracts the three ounces that your little plastic container Okay. You have to tear like a five on the nervousness scale for me just because it's Taylor yes. Swift doing You're something. like a Bills fan. Yeah. You just, you just like, you're expecting, except for the fact that she has never let me down, right? It's like if the Bills have <laughs> won that all those one Super thing. Bowls. It's just we're afraid yeah, just the streak like is going to be broken. We're just always hella nervous that it's not, it's going to, it's going to sort of fracture the glass of the stained glass in the chapel at which we, many of us, uh, uh, worship. I understand that. But the reason that I'm way less nervous upon reflection about this album is that it's so clear she decided this had to go out. As we've talked about the re-records, right? The purpose of these things is ostensibly to replace the ones that exist, to reclaim the income stream that she believes is rightfully hers, that she was not given, according to her, a fair chance to reacquire. She signed the contract fair and square, but she believed that as the artist, she had the right to go acquire those rights back. She wasn't given the chance. And so she said, fuck you, I'm going to knife you in the kidneys and I'm going to take back what's mine by re-recording this. And the data says it has worked, right? Old red, not getting played. New red being streamed massively. And so the owners of that copyright are not particularly happy at this point. And that was exactly the point. So the fact that she stopped and interjected, appears to have interjected a completely new album into the narrative without releasing 1989. Now we will talk over the next few episodes about when we're going to see some 1989 because there's a hell of a lot of time between October 21st and things like her birthday, December 13th. And we have seen lots of content come out in that window before. But the fact that she decided to put this album out first tells me she really likes it, Nora. Okay. Let me jump the gun on the 1980 thing for a second because I want to be there with you that the reason that the timeline is what it is. And I totally agree with you. The reason it felt like 1989 was coming was because at one point, 1989 was supposed to be coming. I, I no doubt this is just gut feeling. It was underway, but I do. 
I do not believe that she would have breadcrumbed to the extent that she did to play Lucy with the football with her fans. Correct. And not put it out, right? Like that was leading to something. She does a lot of sneaky things, but that was, I think, over the line. She's very sneaky. Unapologetically so on (laughs) Midnight's Mayhem with me. But, okay. But is there a possibility that the reason that we haven't gotten 1989 is because the shake it off lawsuit is going to trial in January? I just don't think so. Why? Why does it matter? Either she has to pay or she doesn't. Well, but isn't there a sort of a 2x, right? Like whatever you owe for one song, once you put out Taylor's version... It's two songs that have the same issue. But at the end of the day, she's got to pay for the rights to those songs no matter what. She's still hoping to recapture the rights for all the other songs on 1989. I just don't think that's why they held it. Now, maybe, maybe she does have a fairly conservative legal team that in the best way is very thoughtful. But go ahead. What do you think? So the thing that makes me think it could be part of it is because it felt like it was coming and then all of a sudden it wasn't. And it was uh, last month, I think, when they had made this last-ditch effort to get the case thrown out and that motion was denied. And the, the case was set to go to trial in January of 2023. So there is a pretty easy A to B cause and effect of... We were going to do it, but now here's this roadblock. We thought we could get rid of it. Now we have to wait. Mm. The flip side of that coin is they seem like they're in pretty good shape with this thing. Mm -hmm. What's happened is the songwriters who wrote Play is Going to Play. Air quotes. said she stole the lyrics for the chorus of Shake It Off. And initially, the judge that looked at all of it just dismissed the suit and said that the lyrics were, uh, the quote was too brief, unoriginal, and uncreative to warrant protection under the Copyright Act. There was an appeal, and on appeal, it got sent back to the judge on the basis that that wasn't for him to decide. A jury was going to have to decide if they were unoriginal or not. And essentially, that is what is now going to happen. Now, from where I sit, that's a pretty easy call for people. And I think the fact that even though the appeals court had said that, she still, her team still tried to get the judge to throw it out after that because I think the the thing is just sort of like, come on, man. Nora... Can, I can, think they have pretty solid reason to believe or reason to assume that most people are going to react that way as well. I have no idea, but I would imagine they feel pretty confident about where this is going to go. But who knows? You know, you never it, it's it's impossible to be certain. So I can I can kind of see it, but I would much prefer to be with you that the reason they changed the timeline was just, hey. We want Midnight's out there. We don't want to flood the zone to the same degree that we did with Folklore, Long Pond, Evermore, Fearless, Taylor's version. And Midnight's is really good. So it has to take precedent. I hope that's the reason. 
Judge Princiati, can you also do the Mar-a-Lago docs? It's actually the second pod today where I've like tried to be a lawyer. Um, Mission accomplished. Next time. Color me impressed. Yeah, I mean, look, and then there's the obvious point. And we're going to talk about the tour further down the list here, I suspect. Tour? Tour? Just going on tour? Well, there's a tour? I mean, listen, this album is going to be different. This is not cottage chord that's coming, and we'll talk about what it is in a second. But it is also possible that one of the best chief marketing officers in the world decided that for the live event that I am certain she is putting together, that it might be helpful to have an injection of non-cottage core music uh, that had been put out after 2019. But I think that that we start to get into the C word calculating when we go too far in that direction. I think more about the C word creativity and fucking crazy because I just don't think she could hold back. She created this thing. She believes in it. And I think she interjected it into the process uh, to get it out. Okay. So I think a big part of that, of how we analyze sort of the creative space that this album is coming from has to do with when she created it. Mm. And our second question is from Ariadne who asks, she says this album is about 13 sleepless nights throughout her past. So are these songs from the vault or is this a new album reflecting on the past? What do you think? Nora, I'm going to say something that's probably, you're going to smack me and... It's okay. We're on Zoom. I can't. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to smack me like I wanted to smack the the making out old people. Listen, I don't know if we really are honest with ourselves. How many of the songs from The Vault are on everybody's absolute must-listen repeat right now? That's not to say that they're not worthy of the catalog. But I don't think that what we got out of The Vault songs were like massively enduring long-term. There's some that I think are great. I bet you think about me. Absolutely. I bet you think about me when you say, oh my God, she's insane. She wrote a song about me. I mean, you go ahead. Tell me what else is on So your I list. bet you think about me is if we're not counting the all too well 10 minute version, which I actually think there's an argument that we should be counting. And you were tossing me the car keys, Because I think there was creativity on her part in writing pieces of that. I do think that there were parts of that song but it where existed. the lyrics that she'd written so long ago were at least tweaked. I think that that version of that song has a bit of a hand of present day Taylor Swift. Yes, that but is I, not all red era Taylor. Yes, but I think some but, of the other vault songs then by extension probably do too. So, okay. I th- that's that's fair because if we don't count the 10 minute version of all too well if we don't count better man if we don't count babe then for better me better man is awesome better man is awesome i know we had to say goodbye like the back of my head the real one that stuck is i bet you think about me that i'm just obsessed yes, with that song yes i i agree i agree and then I think nothing new and bye bye baby. I've had 
much to drink tonight And I know it's sad, but this is what I think about And all I have is your sympathy Cause you took me home, but you just couldn't keep me Have stuck for me. They're not quite, I don't, I would take I Bet You Think About Me to a Desert Island before those songs. Okay. But they hold up. Okay. I also listened to The Very First Night and Message in a Bottle a lot more than I thought I would huh. when I heard them for the first time. Okay, but relative to, if we take a look at the cornucopia of content that has been released since July of 2020, we would probably not say that a lot of the Vault songs are in your top 10. I agree. Uh, Right. So I, I just say that because that's a comment on the work from the Vault, which was, I think you're right, a lot of old but probably 60, 40, 70, 30, something like that, old to new, where she was making some edits and some tweaks and all those things, right? And, and sort of bringing these songs to life, which is a long way of saying, I don't believe that these songs are from the vault. I actually hope that they're not from the vault. I believe that this is a concept album that she had been working on because she is always working on something. And she probably, frankly, you know, this is going to be her, uh, yet another re-release. She got done with 1989. Like that's creatively interesting, but it's probably similar work across Fearless, across Red, across 1989, where the work there is trying to match. It's trying to sing like you fidelity. did. Yes, it's about sonic fidelity more so than it is about creating something new. And I expect that the the claustrophobia of that and probably at some point boredom of that for an artist who's used to creating, not being a karaoke singer of her own stuff, probably forced this album and she's had the thoughts in her head. And so I'm excited about it because I think it's the first genuinely new stuff that she's written probably, you know, end to end, not, not to, um, not to go Damon Albert on it, whatever, but like, the Folklore and Evermore uh, albums should rightly be looked at as an incredibly, incredibly effective and successful collaboration, right? Right. And this one, I think probably she, she had a lot more to do with the inception of the songs in the way that we've seen her turn on her iPhone, sit down at a piano with that sort of crumpled up, confused slash frustrated face and slowly over the course of of, exactly slowly over the course of months, we see these songs blossom from little ideas into these iconic anthems. I think this album was more created in that way, admittedly with Jack as her co-pilot. We'll talk about that. But this one feels like a new one that I expect was in part a reaction to probably creatively feeling a little bit stifled by the karaoke job. They're not from the vault. Hell no. The songs aren't from the vault. The only potential indication that they're from the vault is just the line in her Instagram post where she said, they're the stories of 13 sleepless nights scattered throughout my life. Yeah. It's autobiographical. But she didn't say they're they're songs from 13 Sleepless Nights. We know that often if she can't sleep, she goes downstairs, she goes to the piano, and then all of a sudden there's a great song. Right. But she's not telling us that that's what she did. No. Here. No. And 
the vault tracks are a big draw for the re-releases too. I think she would use them in support of those projects long before she would combine them all and, and put them all out. So I get why that's a big question, but I really don't think that these are vault songs and I'm glad that they are. Me too. I, I agree with you that the collective, the collective songs from the vault that we have so far are things I love and I'm glad we have, but they do not to me as a collective body of work give us, I think what we expect from a full firing on all cylinders, Taylor album. Yeah. They're kind of like the extended versions of the other albums. It's also look like they were, but they were songs that now sometimes management wanted to cut songs and they didn't end up on albums, but there's some girl at homes. There's acknowledgement that these were were things that were left on the cutting room floor, right? And sometimes that's for reasons that she doesn't like, but often she was the one making those those choices to begin with. Yeah. So I think that is all relevant context to how we look at the vault. Also, so other than Jack Antonoff, who's the only collaborator who we know for sure worked on this album, he did do he did the production for Babe Forever Winter and 10 Minute All Too Well, obviously. Incredible from the job. Red vault. Incredible job on 10 Minute All Too Well. They say all's well, it ends well, but I'm in a new hell every time. You double cross my mind. And then for um Fearless Taylor's version, the stuff that he worked on was Mr. Perfectly Fine, That's When, Don't You, and Bye Bye Baby. Mm-hmm. shabby. I, I, I will say if we want to use the one carryover, okay, what's the most recent thing that Taylor's done with Jack? That's the list. And from a production standpoint, that does not make me nervous. No. All right, let's move on. You mentioned that this is a concept album, which I think is relevant to this next question, which is from Christoph Coat. Why do you think she went back to a shorter album, 13 songs, standard version, instead of the 18 plus we've gotten on the last few releases? I will say the 18 plus is when you factor in vault songs, yes. um, folklore and evermore were, were 16 and then 15 tracks each. So definitely still longer. This does seem to be a concise project. What do you think is up with that? Well, I think we know that there are songs 14, 15, 16 on a target release, correct? Two are remixes. And then one is an uh, additional. The Elvira track. stuff. You love the Elvira stuff. I want them to be just two more Willow remixes. Elvira Willow remix number one. 16 Elvira. Willow remixes. <laughs> Actually, who am I kidding? Elvira Willow remix number 45. Yeah. I, I think um, it's because she is a maniacal freak about the number 13. And... Uh, that conceptually in her mind, that's probably how she thinks. She's probably got some synesthesia in her. She's definitely fanatical about this number. And so she packed it in. Uh, 
It was very convenient to have 13 songs. She knows that's going to resonate with the fan base. And she probably set out a few... Look, uh, constraints breed creativity. It happens. It's why Twitter as a platform... RIP, have fun with it, Elon. Uh, it's why Twitter as a platform thrived because you had at least originally, you know, just just a, a limited number of characters. And it is why it, she probably put some constraints in place around this album. I'm going to write about this specific thing, about these moments from my life, and I'm going to do 13 of them. And that gave her some structure, which she appears to really like in her life, and a framework to go create and fill up those boxes each individually. I hope it's because her insomnia isn't that bad. Hope she hasn't had like, you know, is Taylor having a sleepless night every other night here? How many of these are we supposed to be able to mine for a whole story? Yeah. I I suspect she's thinking, uh, she's taking probably some liberties about exactly how sleepless they were, but they certainly are uh, going to be, there's there's already a notable vulnerability in the presentation of this album in a way that she presented folklore and evermore as more storytelling and a little bit less personal, even though we could parse through the fibers of each of those albums and find very personal parts of them. Uh, It was more storytelling and narrative. And this is already starting to feel like something a bit deeper and a bit more about who she is at a person as a person at now 32 going on 33 years old. Right. And I think that lends itself to something that this is a specific concept, right? I don't necessarily think that she's trying to take people on a journey with this album, their vignettes and probably some concision plays well into that. Somewhat related question from Flow State. What type of record are you hoping Midnight's will be? We know she will continue to creatively explore new sounds and styles, but are you hoping it's an album with several chart-topping hits or something more like her, quote, indie folk slash alternative releases? Well... Believe your eyes. I know. I'll speak for myself. First of all, of course we want some chart-topping hits. Let's get some bangers on there. It will not sound like if by her indie folk alternative releases... This question is talking about Folklore and Evermore. It's not going to sound like that. For the reason you mentioned before, those albums were created through a very specific process of Aaron Dessner sending her music and her writing lyrics to that music and them coming together. And it was the specific product of that collaboration. Doesn't sound like that writing process and that collaboration is a part of this album. So it will almost automatically be different. And... For me, I think you were right to point out the possibility that this album has touring somewhat in mind. It doesn't seem like the most natural fit for super over-the-top, like, 1989-style pop songs. It seems much more, you know, it's, it's intimate. It's interior. By definition, all of these stories take place like inside her room, inside her head in the middle of the night. But it does seem like the aesthetic of it is kind of glamorous in its own way. It's listed as pop. That's what you have to believe. Yeah. Just believe your eyes. What are you seeing? You're seeing it's listed as pop. 
And I believe that. I think it's going to be a pop album. I don't think it's going to be quite as like glittery huge as 1989. But you know what song I think is going to be a touchstone for this is Gold Rush. Yes! Because... Yes! I knew you were going to say that and you're so right. I don't like to fall in pills like flying to the bone crush. Everybody wants you. But I don't like a gold rush. Because why? It's the last original song she did with Jack. Yep. And yes, that's an Evermore song. And it endures. It endures. It's really good. Yes. The vibe of that song to me feels so much like just the the aesthetic that we're getting from her in the Midnight's Bayhem videos with the imagery that's accompanied what all the materials that she's put out. Like the first video, I think we text each other like, is she like starring in a reboot of Hair or what? <laughs> it is like, it's ve- there's just like a lot of upholstery. Like it's very interior. Every single video, she has a totally different haircut. Well, because she's trying to make it seem like she did all of these at a different time when she obviously did them the same day. <laughs> We're on to you. <laughs> we know what's going on. But okay, that's that's my answer. I think it's going to sound like Gold Rush. That's the last song yeah. that Taylor and Jack worked on together. It is a little bit... I don't want to call it out of place on Evermore because I actually think that the presence of a song like that on Evermore distinguishes Evermore from folklore in a way that's important. Like I, I will die on the hill that those are musically distinct albums. Yeah. But the intro to gold is, rush is pretty flowy. Like they made that little, the little like angelic voices. It sounds like twinkle lights. Yeah. Totally. And they almost just sort of had to do that to make it fit. But I think Look, just by virtue of it being a Jack song and not an Aaron song, it was different. And if I had to bet, and now this is coming from the same person who, after Lover, thought that Paper Rings was the best song to go, all right, she's going to do pop punk next. Like, the Fallout Boy fan. So I've been wrong before, but that's that's my best guess. I, I think that's tremendously wise. And I also think the other clue that she gave us was the making of video that had the song by Nice Boy Ed as the backdrop. It's just the life you need, but it's yours. They show her Never and Jack in the studio and she's bopping. And she's, she's got bopping. she's bopping, and it's not a cruel summer headbang bop. But it is very much a gold rush getaway car bop. And that's where I think this album's heading. I'm screaming. I'm screaming in glitter lowercase. I think that's the aesthetic of this album. All right. Sid is asking us, before the album comes out, what are your early favorites based on track list and song titles? Now, there are going to be more of these by the time this posts. But for now, we have Mastermind, Vigilante Shit, Mastermind. Question. 
dot, 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 question mark. Vigilante shit. Oh, that's good. You're good at doing the phone thing. Midnight rain. Midnight rain. Maroon. Maroon. And antihero. Antihero. What has tickled your fancy? Antihero. <laughs> has tickled because my fancy. Because of her fancy. video about it? Track three, Antihero, is one of my favorite songs um, I've ever written. I really don't think I've delved this far into my insecurities in this detail before. Yeah, this very clearly is a song she's in love with. It may be the reason that this album is coming out. She maybe built the whole album around this song. We're going to find out. But in a way, she has not revealed a whole lot about the it's the release has been somewhat formulaic right she got up she knew she was getting the VMA so they decided you know to to take that moment to announce it which is great but that is a fairly traditional way to announce an album right and even even the way that she gave that speech you could i don't know it, it was very much not off the cuff i think there are moments where she's a decent actor and let's see how amsterdam is Hopefully better than cats. I literally can't believe all of this stuff is happening right now. And then like every 15 minutes, it'll just pop into my mind. Oh my God, she has a movie coming out. Yes, she's in Amsterdam. I don't know if I can talk about this. I'm not buying that he died of natural causes. I think her acting is a lot better than it was on stage that night because I think there was a little bit of like self-awareness that she was going through the motions, it, it, she knew that she had art, she, that she'd won that VMA, right? So it wasn't like she had to feign absolute shock at winning the award. But the point of her showing up and getting that award was to announce this album. So what does that mean? I, I think there's been sort of a fairly traditional rollout here. What was not traditional was sort of a break was the video that got posted along with Antihero, the little interview clip. And I, that's her telling us that it matters and it, and it means a lot. And that, as she said it's as vulnerable and deep as she's gone into her own insecurities. And I love it. I can't wait to hear about it because we haven't had that level of reflection from her in the better part of, of three years. And I'm not sure that lover, she dove extraordinarily deep into her own psyche. That was more of an album about the blossoming of her relationship with the other guy who is maybe also an actor. <laughs> Never heard of him. <laughs> we love you, Joe. Yeah, Lover. I, Lover for me, actually, the tough thing is that it got there. You know, it got there with the Archer, but then I don't think that song really gets there musically. So mm -mm. you didn't have the combination of a song that she's super in love with and and that type of vulnerability. She said about Antihero that it's literally one of her favorite songs that she's ever written. Yeah, big uh, statement. That's a high bar. Yeah. So... I am excited. What does that mean, Taylor? <laughs> I like this better than your British accent. My British accent's gotten good lately. Oh, no. All right. Um, beyond Antihero, I don't know. Vigilante shit sounds fun. She's swearing in titles. Yeah, we're really, we're bringing attention. it forward. I mean, we track through yeah. the course of of every single album, Taylor Swift, how slowly but surely she's began to integrate all kinds of bad words into it. Now she's pulling it into the title. Maybe her next album is going to be just called Fuck. It's going to be like an Eminem album. 
There's six <laughs> explicit tracks on this. Fuck I this. Think. It's <laughs> my eleventh studio you album. On, you can swear on TikTok. It's called Fuck This. Uh the other thing I want to shout out is that Erica Wilkinson on Twitter had an idea that Maroon could be about the sleepless night she may have had after Red lost the Grammy for Record of the Year. And Red, Taylor Swift. And the Grammy goes to... Random Access Memories, Death Bomb. I love that theory. I'm fascinated to see. There's quite the story about being in the bathroom, absolutely devastated, being helped up off the floor, inconsolable. And the, right. the work that she did to go back and absolutely. And there's no way she went home and got a good night's sleep. So I, I think it's kind of interesting. Mm. Okay, here's one from Nolan. Why is she still working with Jack Antonoff? Not shade, <laughs> genuinely curious. Not Shade. Uh, given her previous main collaborators had three to four album shelf lives, Nathan Chapman, Max Martin, I think they've already reached their creative peak together. Well, that is Shade, dot, isn't dot, it, dot. Nolan? I don't know if it's Shade. It's 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 constructive, critical questioning. Okay. I think it's a good question to ask. I think they're still working together because this is a really vulnerable way to write. Yes. And of all of the people that she's worked with and in how Jack talks about his own career, one lane that he operates in a lot is kind of, let's talk out your feelings. That is augmented by the fact that they're really good friends. They know each other really well. But even with the people that he works with who maybe he doesn't have as, as close of a relationship as he has with Taylor, it seems like that's a mode that he likes to work in. I think that makes a lot of sense for this type of content. It also seems like maybe she's increasingly in a stage of life where she wants her people around her. Now, that can be dangerous territory. So in in the way that Nolan said no shade, I do genuinely think that that's something to think about when we process this album. Mm -hmm is can he take her somewhere? Can she go with him somewhere where she hasn't been before? Because this looks like it's supposed to be a new era, a distinct era. And I wonder how they will make that sound. I it, To me though, because I am such a sucker for Gold Rush and I see that as the last thing that they coming up with something new, not working out of the vault, did together. I'm optimistic about it. Okay. I am a sucker for Gold Rush, as we have discussed. I am also right now flipping out on two Jack-produced songs, one older, one new. The old one is the Bleacher Song 45. And the new one is the 1975 song Part of the band. Some vaccinates the toe bag chic baristas Sydney's on a communist keistas. And those are both wonderfully vulnerable, emotive yeah. songs that really, as far as I'm concerned, only Jack could produce. But listen, Nora, when I interview e people, can I cut you off yes, for one second? Please. 
And one of the reasons, one thing he's really good at is making intimate songs big, making them sound big and bright and sound like things that you could play in a stadium. Yes. And I hope that that logical train of thought actually wasn't super explicitly spelled out here. I doubt it was. I think they probably just wanted to sort of create together. But if there's a kernel of touring in mind with this album, he's a good person to do that with, not just because of their relationship, but because of the aesthetics that he's really, really good with. When I interview people for a job, one of the questions that I ask is, what is your superpower? Because it always shows like a self-reflection for people to be able to say what they're really good at, even though it can sometimes make you feel uncomfortable to sort of brag about yourself. And then, you, by the way, you also ask what they suck at and what they want to get better at. But Taylor Swift's superpower is figuring out who to work with to evolve her sound into something that will connect with her fans. That's what she is the best in the world ever at, just about. It's why she left Nathan Chapman. It's why she went to Max Martin. It's why she sought out the National and Bon Iver. And it's why she found Jack. So on this, I trust her. I trust her implicitly. She will at some point... I'm sure, make a decision that there's somebody else who she wants to work with. And by the way, that's why she reached out to Aaron Dessner. Uh, And then she brought in Jack to sort of help augment those couple of albums because she's comfortable with them. But I think you nailed it. This is going to be an extraordinarily vulnerable album, which is saying something for Taylor Swift, but it feels like this is about hard stuff and she's doing this with someone with whom she feels extraordinarily comfortable musically to sort of share all of it and get there. And... Uh, but I also think she is smart enough, again, as the world's greatest CMO, to know when that working relationship has come to an end. And she has proven herself to be willing to edit her team and edit the team around her. You, you, you can't fire your crazy uncle, but you can edit your producer and, and the people in the band and the, you know, the, the people who are contributing to her creatively because that is what she... That's the altar at which she worships. So I, I, I'm not concerned about this one. If you don't trust her to make good choices about who she works with, then she will at that moment be past her prime. Agree. Not concerned about it here. You don't want any more Jack she, albums after this. No, she... So they have a special thing. And I wouldn't be surprised if that's part of what she does forever and ever to all of our benefit. Mm. She will have to find the next person. Like she will have to find the next ingredient that catalyzes some sort of reaction that spins her forward. They say this about you and me too, Nora. No, never. This is a very delicate ecosystem. It's just you, me and Kaya. And that is the perfect formula. And we can't, we can't mess it up. We'll be metaphorically making out on a bar stool, just like those 90 year old people. Gross. It really was. <laughs> Not like you saw it. Can I rant for a sec? Uh, yes, please, Nora. You know I love when you do. Pay apps are way too public. Uh-oh. What happened? Okay, so some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history who I'm paying. Full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it is super weird. Well, how are you going to pay your friends then? I'm asking for a friend. 
Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? Shh. Services are provided by Green Dot Bank, member FDIC, terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Okay, let's talk about the tour. Yes. Eric asks, when do we think tour tickets will go on sale? So the business norm is you put tickets up to go on sale in the fourth quarter for a spring summer tour because you want to get those things up before or as people are spending their holiday gift money. Wait, wait, wait. Okay. So hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. Is there a tour? Page six says there's a tour, but do we say there's a tour? Unequivocally, yes, there's a tour. Explain. Well, artists make 80 to 85% of their money from the road. <laughs> and she has not so you did- toured since Reputation. And it's coming. Sure is Sunday. It's time. We've talked before there about... A- Go ahead. I'm just playing devil's advocate here. I believe there's a tour. It's time. There's a tour. There is a lot of buzz about, okay, she's booked stadiums. She's ready to go. She's got the dates. Mm -hmm. Some of that existed last year. It did. Now, having a hold on a stadium date, my understanding is that does not necessarily mean complete done deal. No, that's right. Absolutely happening. No, no, no. Because a stadium says, uh, a stadium needs the concerts to make money, right? Because they're lying fallow. If you're an NFL team, unless you're the, you know, LA stadium where you, or, or they're New York. lying fallow. How Shakespearean. <laughs> unless you're the Jets giant lying stadium. undisturbed and fallow in the meadowlands of New Jersey. <laughs> they need concerts because they're dark, like 350, whatever, seven days a year. If they don't put more shit through their stadium other than home football games, right? So they they need the utilization rate to be higher. So stadiums are happy to hold a date 
for Taylor effing Swift right. because they know they're going to make a lot of money through parking and beer and concessions and all the things that that go around an event that help drive revenue for stadiums. So, yes, a hold does not necessarily mean this is a tour. We know that there were holds last summer that they ultimately didn't go. But the overarching dynamic in the concert business right now is, first of all, the big high-profile artists are absolutely crushing it. Now, Harry Styles may be a unicorn in this moment, but Harry Styles not having any trouble selling tickets. There is right. also a lot of supply out there. There are more artists on tour than ever before. We are looking at a 2023 that could have some components of consumer recession that certainly is now outside the boundaries of the government money that was handed out to a lot of people to help with all of the issues that came out of COVID. And so the question that is unresolved is just how much money is going to be spent on concerts in 2023. There will be a lot of money spent on concerts, but the question is, does the average fan have enough money to go to eight or three or 15? And what you know is if you're Taylor Swift, they're going to spend the money to come see you. What you don't know is if you're further on down that list and you're not anybody's number one, how it's going to go. So Taylor, that said, still wants to get out in front of a lot of the other artists who are going to put stuff up for stadiums in 2023 and arenas and other shows because, hey, she, she wants to make sure that that as people budget their money and their time, right, that they're thinking, all right, Taylor Swift, yes, and now you know, how am I going to allocate the rest of my money? So I expect, and this is a long-winded way of answering your question, that she's going to have tour plans up before Christmas. I'd be really surprised if she doesn't put tickets on sale before then. And Particularly be... Okay. Caveat, I really thought she was going to go out last year. So... But I think the same reasons that we thought she was going to go out last year, sort of, you know, not wrong, just late. Particularly because one of the other artists she might be not directly competing with, but as people allocate their resources, might have Taylor Swift tickets available and Beyonce tickets available. Mm-hmm. And God forbid Rihanna tickets. Oh my God. <laughs> Every economic forecaster. Yeah, but this is I it. I hope you are taking this into account. But but this is it. And we live in this age now where in a stadium show, you are seeing ticket prices up and up and up. And the artist deserves that money. Let's be clear. Like Historically, that money goes to scalpers. It belongs in the pockets of artists. And the only way to make sure that scalpers don't take that money out of fans' pockets who are willing to pay is is to charge what a ticket is worth. So there's going to be a lot of competition that's out there. That's not to say that it is a competition between the artists. It's just that in a time where there's constricted consumer spending... It just makes good business sense to get out there. And I think you're going to see her get out there. Okay. Let's keep talking about the tour because Brad's question is with the supposed touring plan being all four albums, what are the songs you absolutely want to hear live or dream set lists? Well, let's first talk about if this thing is in stadiums and it seems like all of the rumors and and the, the buzz that's out there does indicate that this seems to be 
a traditional-ish stadium tour. Now, we don't know. She might have eight, nine, ten bajillion things up her sleeve. But there has not been anything that I've seen to indicate that she would be doing, you know, the Harry residencies or something really out of the box. She could surprise us because I think she's made it a goal. You know, she tried to make it a goal with Loverfest to upend traditional touring. So maybe she'll find some way to do that. But I don't know anything that indicates that that's what's happening now. What do you think about that? I'm going to be Which stunned. I think informs I'm going to be stunned if she does songs. just a traditional stadium tour. I'm going to be stunned. And to be honest, I'll be disappointed because I think she has this unique opportunity having watched what's happened in the concert business over the last couple of years where the biggest artists are now moving towards residencies, not just in Las Vegas like Katy Perry, but looking at what Harry Styles is just finishing up. He's about to come to Los right. Angeles where from a cost perspective, the artist makes more money. It helps to pull demand out of the market. And so for the upper deck seats, you can actually offer ultimately cheaper prices. And in her case, I don't know how Folklore and Evermore play in a stadium. I mean, maybe she can fly. Listen, they can figure it out. But it would be so interesting and I think innovative and I think evolutionary for the business if she took this short residency concept a step further and said, I have four full albums that I haven't toured behind. And you also haven't seen me on the road since the reputation tour. And I also have a bunch of re-release albums that have a whole bunch of new songs. So you could argue that they're actually including some of the 1989 stuff, six albums that, have been put out since my last tour. And so I'm going to create a set of experiences around those albums because there's no way to integrate those fully into a single tour and have people who joined the journey at different parts feel like they, you know, experienced the albums live. So I will be stunned if she doesn't do some kind of multiple show experience, maybe a big one in the stadium with the bangers followed by, you know, a couple of nights that are in not Radio City, but almost like a Lincoln Center or, you know, Disney Concert Hall, something that's more intimate where she's actually playing the Evermore and Folklore songs in a sort of environment that is a little bit more appropriate to experience those those things. And maybe, you know, maybe she does a club show as well. And so she's got sort of, you know, a really high-end, smaller venue, a big stadium for, for the sort of anthemic stuff and then, and then something in between. I, I'll leave it to her to be creative director of that experience, but I'm going to be really surprised if she doesn't continue to think about how to innovate in the live space. She, like you said, she started to do that with Lover she has every opportunity to do it now and frankly an economic model in front of her based on the way that harry just j- just went through from town to town i'll be shocked if she just does a normal stadium tour are you excited nora to see folklore evermore in the stadium does it work for you so do i need to see folklore evermore in a stadium as the headlining albums for this show no I will say, and I think she would probably have a mind to this, you want to toe the line right between making 
every experience feel sort of bespoke, which I think she's done really well with the surprise songs in set lists on previous tours and also making things feel comprehensive. It's it's not an accident that you go to a show on the Reputation tour and you hear part of Love Story. Because you want to. For because sure. that's one of the Taylor Swift songs that you just want to hear. So I, I don't think that... I don't think she's going to do something where it's like you can go to A or you can go to B and they're really, really you can get with this wildly you can different. Get with that. Right. <laughs> yes, exactly. I think You don't, don't think know. she's this gonna is, star is, in two Broadway shows. That's sort of my that's my dream. I have this fantasy that she's gonna, you know, uh Literally, that, and we'll talk about the Super Bowl, but the part of the reason she didn't do the Super Bowl is she's basically prepping to star in a couple of shows right now. Yeah, but that that stinks for a lot of people because... Tell me why. Because those tickets are... You think you can get in, into that show for less than a couple thousand bucks? Which one? The, the club, yeah. Lincoln Center. <sighs> no. I, I think that devalues the experience of a stadium show. I think that makes the thing that most people go to feel less special. Even if she integrates a few of those songs into the overall show. I think it's really, really hard. You could see her selling she, a pass to fans that gets them into all of it, right? Like a subscription. Yeah. I, so look, if I had to make a list of people who I think could thread that needle... She is at the top of that list. And there are, you know, One Night Only is sort of, a, is not a great example because it costs 25 bucks, right? But like, there are experiences that these artists just have to accept that there's going to be a lot of disappointed people because they're not going to get to be a part of it. The demand is greater than the supply. And that's just, that's what it is. So I don't, you know, she's not going to be doing herself any favors if she looks at the challenge of figuring out what this is as how do I make literally everybody happy because that's impossible. I, I, I think that's a dangerous game though because you are segmenting your fans into who can see the special intimate show and, and who can't. And well, that's a matter of pricing though. I mean, she could, I guess she could try to find a way to say, you know, it's a digital only ticket and uh, it's 50 bucks. But if you buy it, you have to be the person who walks through the door and we're checking your identity, you know, and it's tied right. to your phone. And I mean, right. she, she could do some things to control. So if she could figure out something like that, then, then, uh, I, she, she, you know, there's yeah. still a lot she's of people aware who can't of the optics. go. Yeah. She's aware of the optics if it's just like rich people, right? If it's just... Because oh, if she gets yeah. like a lower bowl Super Bowl crowd... Because that's the other thing too, right? Is like, if she gets, you know, they always talk about, it, it depends on the game, but the Super Bowl doesn't have the greatest crowd, right? Because it costs so much It does much not depend go. on the game. <laughs> it's usually It's terrible. And, and a lot of people... Because it's a really corporate yeah, it's, thing. Yeah, it's corporate hospitality. It's people who are there with Salesforce. Johnny, great sales guy for Salesforce, gets the ticket. Yes. It does depend on the game. There's, there's... When when the Patriots played the Eagles, that Eagles crowd was kind of legit. 
but it usually sucks. And they're probably even rowdier when it's just like an Eagles home game. So anyway, I, I think that's the scary thing. I think and hope she will be smart about that. And it could be very exciting. She just has an opportunity to innovate here. And I hope she takes it because she gave us the glimmers of it through the lover fest stuff. And now she has the content that is diverse enough to go for it. Do it, Taylor. Okay. I want one song from you that you absolutely want to hear live as part of this. You can choose the context for it. I don't need to think about that question. The answer is cruel motherfucking summer. Hell yes. That song needs a moment. It deserves a moment. And I believe it's going to get one. Ugh. Why did you a say that? A whole crowd of people just screaming the, the bridge with her. It would be magical. He, the he looks up grinning, grinning like a devil uh, thing will be great too. It's just hard to see that song right next to Ivy. Even her stadium shows, she House always pulls it back at some point. Yes, it's the the sort of like Renaissance Fair vibes are going to be tough to translate. Yes, but she always, 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 always has a section of a show. Oh yeah, where it's just her no, and piano she does the three song acoustic set. I get that, but that's usually what gets reserved for the songs that are she has marketed via the re-releases. So I just don't know how you... I mean, like, make a set list right now. It's crazy. It is crazy. It's going to be really, really interesting. Like, what are her priorities? She's put out these re-releases. How could she not play Love Story having done a re-release and re-record of Fearless? How could she not? How could she not play We Are Never Getting Back Together? Or she's going to play 10 Minute All Too Well. That will be the last song of the show, I'm sure. Just between us did the love affair mean you all too I think if, if, let's say that it's, let's say that most of the shows she's doing are of similar scope, right? Like, we're not having an A-B scenario where some shows are in a a 70,000 person venue and some shows are in a a 5,000 person venue. Split that down the middle or or whatever you want to do with it. But let's say that it's a a big enough place where it's not a super stripped down concert holly feel. My best guess is that she focuses on the songs that everybody wants to hear from... No. From the re-releases, Midnight Stuff. (laughs) Can you go back to the phone thing? And does like a three song. What if the surprise song, instead of a surprise song at every show, is a surprise set 
This song and is it's called three me. or four songs, and they switch back and forth, and that has a lot of folklore and evermore in those little changeable pieces. That's my thought. I don't know if you guys remember this song is called Me. <laughs> yeah, All right, it, it's hard. It's very hard. I mean, it, and creatively, how she manages the costume and the dance and all the stuff like it's just it's the vibes nora it's how she manages the transition from totally different vibes not to mention like let's let's not even get there but like who's going to open this thing is she going to bring desner out on the road can she get the string section all these things that would have to happen to to bring this stuff to life it's a lot a lot, a lot. of work Okay. Our ninth question was from Emily who asked if Taylor does a stadium tour for midnights, do you think the only times we'll hear folklore and evermore live are as surprise songs? I think we just kind of covered that. Is your answer? I think yes? essentially the, no, my answer is if that question is asking, are we going to get one folklore or one evermore song per night? I think the answer to that is no. I don't think that they are going to be 10% of the mm. content that she works with. Mm. Now, maybe they're 30 and the other stuff is 70 and, and they do feel a little bit minimized. And the people for whom, you know, those are their babies and those are the albums that they love the most. You go listen to watch Long Pond again, but maybe I, figure it out that way. But Folklore won album of the year. Album of the year. It has to be performed. It will be performed. So so that's what I'm saying is I don't think it will be performed that little. I think it will have a substantial place. The flip side of that is that Folklore won album of the year. A lot of people listen to Folklore. Folklore owned quarantine. Evermore never really got any shine. It's so, almost Evermore season. Oh my God. It's always Evermore season. Uh, but no, I think the answer to that is 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 no. I don't know that they will. I don't think this is going to feel like the Folklore and Evermore tour. But I don't think that they are. You get one song a night. I mean, I was kidding, but like, are we going to hear me? No, we're not hearing. Me. Are we going to hear Paper Rings? Are we going to hear Cornelia Street? We're going to hear Cornelia Street. I don't. I hope we hear Paper Rings, but I don't know. Are we going to hear this? Someone's going to hear we can't Paper have Rings. Nice things. No, because this is why we can't have nice nice things closed to the reputation tour. Yeah. She's not going to dive into that era of stuff. Now, I don't think that it means she can't touch it, but no. I don't think we hear a lot of reputation just because that tour was so widely attended and has done its thing. Okay. There's a lot to sort through here because, like, again, we haven't even heard Lover. Lover. Woo. It is. Now, this is maybe a little bit of a... a an overstatement because I'm probably when it comes down to it, more excited about just having a whole new album. Yeah. It is the most fascinating question. I, in some ways, more than what midnights is going to sound like is just how does she, how does she figure out how to put all this stuff together? Where does it happen? Yeah. 
how often. Better play Death by a Thousand Cuts. Got to. Saying goodbye is Death by a Thousand Cuts. Flashbacks waking me up. You're making a set list. You're like, I can't even imagine making a set list. Starts making set lists. Sorry. Uh, question number 10. This has been written in from every ringer staffer who yeah. immediately slacked me when Variety posted what turned out to be an erroneous report that Taylor Swift was headlining the Super Bowl halftime was show. Was it though? What happened with the Super Bowl halftime show? Was it though? I'm interested to get the ultimate breakdown. Yes, it was because Rihanna's doing it. Okay. But what was going on behind the scenes, I wonder? I, I think we need an investigative journalist to dive in because I think sometimes when the, with these things where there's smoke, there is fire. It's worth noting that Rock Nation is just a great management entity that manages a bunch of awesome artists and Rihanna is one of them. Rock Nation also has a relationship with the Super Bowl. Uh, Rock Nation also has very quietly, after Jay-Z said we're sort of past the kneeling, when he signed that deal to work with the NFL, he has very quietly and without a lot of fanfare. If people don't know what that is, Jay-Z and Rock Nation essentially have a hand in producing the halftime show. They also have this partnership that has some relevance to some of the NFLs and their social justice initiatives. I, I frankly can't really tell you what that looks like, but they have done a lot in making the Super Bowl halftime show. Um, one, a more diverse appearing performance, also a better performance. I mean, by a mile. Last year in LA was badass. And I think they get full credit for it. And I think at the time, a lot of people looked at it like, oh, this is the NFL in the wake of all the social justice stuff and the Kaepernick stuff with bad reputation, just trying to get a press release. And to to Jay-Z and Rock Nation, the team at Rock Nation's credit, it sure looks like they've delivered and you know they just put their heads down and stopped using words publicly and just started using action. So full credit to them. And I think Rihanna is an awesome choice. I am... Oh my God, yes. I am wondering and am interested to know what the actual behind-the-scenes dialogue was. Look, you and I talked extensively about this. Creating a show for television is very, very different than creating a show for the in-stadium listener and watcher. Let me just tell you, I was in stadium for the Super Bowl last year and live, it was okay. People were excited. It was cool, but it was not for us. I was looking at, you know, Eminem and Snoop, like from the back and the side, like there was not, this was for a camera and the replay of it was freaking amazing, right? That's very different than if those guys went out and played a stadium tour. And there's a lot of prep that has to go into a Super Bowl show because you're working against the Beyonce moment. Kelly Michelle, will y'all help me sing this one? Show no, baby. All the single ladies. All the single ladies. Everybody's working against the Prince moment. You're working against all of these iconic performances and it takes work and and cost and time and everything, right? So that is work. If, as I suspect, Taylor Swift is trying to get ready, A, to release this album and to go through the, 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 all of the work that 
you know, all the appearances and, and everything around uh, setting up an album for success. But then she's going to kick off a stadium tour and maybe a multi-show residency in six-ish months. She's doing that work. And the idea that you would try to prep for both is pretty difficult to, to see. It just, it would be the most work she's ever had to do. It, again, it would be like trying to star, literally, in two Broadway shows at the same time. It just takes an enormous amount of work. So I suspect that it could have been there for her. I think there certainly had to have been a conversation for that, you know, that that's as, as much smoke as came out to, to be leaked. And I don't think it's a coincidence that very quickly they came over the top to make the announcement both about the sponsor, um, but also uh, about why Rihanna was playing. How do you feel about Rihanna as as an act? I mean, let's not put them in competition for sure, but I, I, Rihanna's going to slay the Super Bowl. I saw her play the All-Star game years ago. She kicked ass. I just don't know. Does it pretend an album? That's really what we give a shit about. Oh my God. I'm so excited. I, I don't know if this is, uh, maybe this is, an unpopular opinion among Taylor Swift fans. I, I get that to an extent. You love Taylor Swift. You just want to see her do stuff. Yeah. So you're bummed out that she's not doing the show. I, I could not be more excited for this because we know Taylor is doing stuff. And maybe those two people, those two women are 1A and 1B for who should do the Super Bowl halftime show who haven't done it yet. Yes. Right? Like, Rihanna has 14 number ones. Rihanna is probably pretty healthily the most exciting musical entity to me that's not Taylor Swift. And the fact that she is getting on that stage is a bigger deal than Taylor getting on that stage because we know hmm. Taylor's doing stuff. Rihanna performed one song at the Grammys in 2018, and that was the last time she did something in, musically in public. And it's been such a question of if we were going to get to see her do music ever again, that even if it were something like they were going to go with Taylor and then they got a yes from Rihanna and and went over the top with that. I got to be honest, I get it. Like that is a huge, 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 huge get. And I'll be super excited if we learn that that's because she is working on music and there is, is more coming from Rihanna that this will be part of the lead up to or in support of or whatever. But they're 1A and 1B for this thing. I think they will both do it eventually. And I, I got to be honest, we know Taylor's going to be out front with a lot of stuff. <laughs> a Rihanna sighting is just so rare, yep. even though I'm sort of bummed that it's not Taylor and would be so excited to see her do that. I, I'm so excited for this thing. I, I can't fault them for a second. There's backstory there. You know, there I hope is she also, does it. I, I, yeah. I mean, I hope that means that the short list is essentially those two. Yeah, right? she's, she's going to do it. She's going to do it before it's all said and done. I suspect there's just a lot of prep and that was work that didn't fit logistically into the schedule. But, you know, speaking of backstory and speaking of things that are slightly still unknown, I have a question from you. Oh boy. And it came from Katie, but it's come from basically everybody on the internet. And that is, who is Nice Boy Ed? 
Are you posing this to me because I'm the conspiracy one of the two of us? I am 100% going to pose this and two more to you because you are the tin hat nut job of the group. Who is nice boy Ed? And is it Ed Sheeran? Okay. I think that is the Occam's razor answer here is that like nice boy Ed is like Ed Sheeran's rap name. That is the one that makes the most sense to me. There's a famous Ed in Taylor's orbit. Mm. He seems nice enough. You actually that think makes sense. You actually think it's the Joe Alwyn buddy? Like she's just No, boosted. that one I really there's more there's more theories here that I know I don't believe and will be shocked if come true okay. than ones that I really feel strongly about. You, you, the two that you, I I think there's no chance it's Joe's friend. Really? That you're here to make, shoot that down. I think that makes no sense. Why? If you're if you're Joe's buddy who's now I guess like if Taylor specifically asked Joe's buddy to like play this role, you're happy to go along with it because you're getting attention on your but career from Taylor role? Swift. Like the she could have put anybody being in the, the music. guy with the song and putting the song out and staying quiet about it online. But if this is a friend of Joe's who has a, a budding music career that she is spotlighting, is she really going to do that in a way where then the guy can't even talk about it? Wait, wait. No one can know who he is. Wait, he, can't, wait, he can't put out wait. any music. He can't do anything. You think it's Joe, don't you? I don't. No, I don't think it's Joe either. Because <laughs> all of the accounts that follow Nice Boy Ed are Joe Stan accounts. Yeah, and he followed the account, which is why people thought that it was his friend. But if it's a pseudonym for Joe, I don't think that she would name the Joe pseudonym after her friend Ed Sheeran. Okay. That doesn't make sense to me. Okay, so tell The me. other one that I really, really don't believe okay. is that it's a partial anagram for Beyonce because you end up with an I and a D left over. This woman is like an avid Scrabble player. Yeah. I mean, and just, she's not operating with that, that no, kind of imprecision. Think if she's about going to all this trouble, it's not going to From work. the last time, all this scrambled words, like she's not going to, yeah, she's very precise. The one that I love is that the way that she pauses and uses punctuation and pauses in a way that the auto text generator picks up as punctuation for the videos is communicating a message oh, in the, Morse code. The Morse code, yeah. And that it says, UK, Ed is me, so that it would be Taylor with her voice altered in some way on the song, which is called Life You Lead. I don't know. It's all too weird. The one that makes the most sense to me is that it would just be Ed Sheeran. Well, I, th- I, I, I think we're going to find out. I just think uh, this is one of those things where she's sort of playing the role of of doing this straight. She did the VMA announcement. She's doing the ping pong ball turns on the video. She, it's all, but, but but there's just a few little Easter eggs to keep everybody stirring and making shit up. I think that the, um, you know, there was the whole counting down finger thing, right? Ariella came to us with a question about that, where there's this theory that that she's counting down something on her fingers in the Midnight's Mayhem with Me videos, right? And I don't even know, because I've gone back and looked, 
like that she's putting fingers on her leg or something. Well, it's like one of her hands is, you know, in her lap. And in the first one, it was sort of flat out. So you can see all five fingers. Then the next one, she's got, you know, her thumb tucked underneath her palm. So it's four. And Imagine the scrutiny. Be- Imagine living I know, but, I know, with millions but, of people Im- scrutinizing you in this way. Imagine the scrutiny. Thank God. And imagine knowing, knowing that the scrutiny is taking place. And the scrutiny started after either she went down to three fingers or four fingers or four fingers down. This is madness. This and is why we're getting this album. Did it. In the fifth one, pe- people were already talking about this. Because she'd if, already recorded you know, she them. must know. That's true. Okay. Never mind. Air out You're of right. balloon. This is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. You make this woman crazy. She makes me crazy. This is why she's up, sleepless. And again, thank God, because we're going to get an album. Sleepless. She makes me stay up until midnight every other night. I mean, people are... She's vindictive. People are just losing their minds over this. They're really looking. I think she's just sitting back cackling on this one. She's enjoying playing it straight and, and, and just listening to people be like, I counted the braids in her hair. <laughs> Oh my God. And, and I think Have we counted the braids yet. <laughs> somebody counted the braids. We need to count the braids. All right. You goddamn thing that I love is when, and I try to hold myself to not do this because I do have a bone to pick with a lot of the conspiracy corner people on the internet. Actually, I have quite a few bones to pick with them. But one of them is that if you are going to voice a theory, you need to say what the theory means. Yeah. There's a lot of like, Taylor held up three fingers, which means right. she's either married or she's going to murder Harry Styles. Those are divergent outcomes. <laughs> you don't have a theory. <laughs> the theory of relativity couldn't be like gravity or Taylor Swift's going to m- murder Harry Styles. It doesn't work. <laughs> There's a lot of, I've found, Sorry, that was a lot. I've found the pot of gold, but not really any indication of uh, anyway. It is what it is. But I, I do think, look, she's born on the 13th, 13 years after the Kanye incident, the VMAs. She accepts the VMA for her 10-minute video of a song, announces her 10th studio album coming in the 10th month of the year, and it has 13 tracks. Like, it's not crazy to start counting fingers. It's just a little insane. And, and I wish that she would not make us so nutty. But with that said... Speaking of 13, we are on our final question. And it comes to us, unbelievably, from Taylor Swift Stan, who says, do you think the upside down phone... Hang on. Do you think the upside down phone has a hint of subjects from around the rep era? Also, what are your thoughts of her not really performing most of Evermore or Lover? Taylor Swift, Stan, okay. I think we've gotten to the last part, but Nora... Yeah, and I think she will perform parts of Evermore. What's up with the upside-down phone? The upside-down phone, um, for the uninitiated, in the Midnight's Mayhem With Me videos for vigilante shit and anti-hero, instead of picking up the phone right side up so that the cord hangs down, she picks it up and holds it to her ear upside down so the cord, like, loops over. Uh... I think she's just being a goofball. Yes, she thinks it's hilarious that it, it it makes noise out of both sides, right? She's just being a silly goose, and we love that from her. 
There are some theories that it indicates either the tracks that will be remixed on the deluxe version. That would obviously be proven false if she does it a third time because there's only two remixes. But like what a boring or, way to communicate that. Like or like a yeah, small it, thing it, to Yeah, that doesn't make sense to me. Or, um, or what? tracks that will have guest features, particularly because the first uh, one, the video okay. for Vigilante shit, the special guest in the video was Meredith the Cat. I don't really believe any of that. I also don't believe this theory, but I'm going to mention it because <laughs> you're completely glad insane. it exists. Um, there's a theory that the cord coming out of the top of the phone is meant to symbolize Ariana Grande's ponytail. Because <laughs> if you look at it, it does like come out of the top of the phone and, and loop down in service, in kind of, of the same way as the high pony. In service of what? It means that Ariana is all over this album or she's just like a tribute or what is this? It means that Taylor put a hit out on Harry Styles. Yeah, That's what it all means. No, it means nothing. It's just good interneting. It's just good interneting. Do you believe, just from a macro level, do you believe that she's playing it straight in these midnight may midnight's mayhems? May, I can't even say it. Whatever. These videos. Midnight's mayhem with me. Yes. Midnight's mayhem with me. Is she playing it straight? Or are, are there are we supposed to be looking at clues or is she really playing it straight? Besides the fact that they're, they're pre-recorded and she's made a choice about the order in which to release them. There are clues in there. I don't think there are as many clues as there are things that are being taken as clues, but I think there are clues in there. I think Nice Boy Ed is a clue. I can't... My best For guess sure. is Sheeran. I can't really figure out what it means. I think that's a clue. I don't really think the phone thing is a clue. Okay. Um, if your best guess is Sheeran, and then I promise we'll let this one go, you don't like Ed Sheeran. How do you feel I about this? I do like Ed Sheeran. I just get annoyed by Ed Sheeran sometimes. Involvement with her. So this would be bad news for you. I don't know. I think they... They, they sound nice together. And if her goal here is to do the collaborations that she's doing for this with people that she's really close to, I will accept it. It is true that I will go, oh God, the Sheeran thing. We're just always with the Ed Sheeran. I will grumble a little bit, but I'm a curmudgeon. Well, Nora... Not I, usually, but specifically about this. I don't know, with zero musical content, how much more we can talk about this album until we get a little sniff. But I think we're only a few days away from getting a little taste of what this album is going <gasps> to sound like. That would be very exciting. And if that happens... It's back to the bar. <laughs> Do you think those people are still there? God, I would be. They were having a great time. This has been every single album. Taylor Swift. I'm Nora Princiati. As always, he is Nathan Hubbard. We will be back at a later undisclosed date. Probably because Taylor Swift has done something, but... We've got some other stuff up our sleeves, too. As always, thank you to the wonderful Kaya McMullen for production on this episode and to you for listening. Thanks, Kaya. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. 
You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.